Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast, brought to you by Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com, and we're previewing this week the Kentucky football game Saturday night against the visiting Tennessee Volunteers, the dreaded arch-rival Tennessee Volunteers. Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. at Commonwealth Stadium. The game is on the SEC Network. Uh, my guests this week for the podcast are my regular guest Jen Smith uh, from the Lexington Herald Leader and Mike Strange of the Knoxville News Sentinel will be talk- giving us a scouting report on Tennessee. So let's get started. Okay, my first guest on the podcast is my regular guest on the podcast, Jennifer Smith, a UK football beat writer for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. How are you doing today, Jen? I'm doing okay. How are you, John? Uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. It's Breeders' Cup week. I'm having to get up early to go at the Breeders' <laughs> Cup. So, now slot. We're taping this on Wednesday. I sloshed around in the rain, waiting on American Pharaoh, and then American Pharaoh didn't come to the track. So, unfortunately, I had to go to the bar, walk all the way over to Rice Road. But nobody wants to hear about my problems. Kentucky's got their own problems in football. They had a lot of problems against Mississippi State on Saturday night in Starkville. Uh, getting swamped 42 to 60 has the uh, the ringing from the cowbell stopped ringing in your ears it is not and i keep hearing really awful sounds and like trying to decide <laughs> if they're worse or better than the cowbell you know like children <laughs> screaming and things like you know, jackhammering on my street while they don't change out the gas lines like all of those things are sort of comparable to the to the awful sound of the cowbells in your ear all the all night well, I thought maybe the awful sounds had something to do with Halloween because we got Halloween coming up, and you do have some, two small children, so I, I bet they're I bet they're really into it for, with how, for Halloween. They are. We have a, a giant spider web on the front of our house with a spider, and every day they like to go and check and see if he's actually alive. So that's always fascinating. <laughs> but they're probably really? going to trick or treat at Commonwealth Stadium. So there's, you know, it's almost like the game has sort of taken a backseat to all of the stuff around the game this week. So it'll be sort of fascinating to see the. You know, if, if the Breeders' Cup will sort of get the buzz going in Lexington, and then, you know, if football can sort of feed off that. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you get the Breeders' Cup going on during the day. Then the football game is at night at 730. The Breeders' Cup Classic is supposed to go off around 530, 540 uh, in the afternoon. So if people want to try to get over to the stadium right after Breeders' Cup, of course, no telling what the transportation and what the what the traffic is going to be like. But there is, you know, the opportunity. I think people at least get to watch the football game. You know, the Breeders' Cup. And then, as, yeah, we got Halloween going on. The National Horse Show is going on out at the horse park. There's just a ton of things going on. Mike Strange uh, is the the guest from the Knoxville News Sentinel, also on the podcast. And he was saying that uh, the Tennessee football team uh, could not find a place to stay in Lexington, that they're staying up close to Cincinnati. Huh, that's really fascinating. I, you know, I, I was on the flight back from Mississippi State on Sunday, and I heard several businessmen who were there for a conference downtown complaining that, that they were paying like three or four hundred dollars a night for a room because Washington was just so packed at this point. And it, it just makes me wonder if, you know, if it'll be able to get a Breeders' Cup back or if there'll be, need to be some more infrastructure kind of put in place for Washington to make this work again. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, if you're coming in coming in for just business, I'm sure Lexington is the last place you think you'd have to pay three hundred or four hundred dollars a night for a room. Let's move on to the game, though. Uh, like we say, Kentucky got the, uh, pretty much got swamped by Mississippi State. Do you expect them to bounce back and play better on Saturday? Well, I guess they couldn't play much worse. No, I, I you know, 
all the coaches keep trying to point out the bright spots, and I sort of feel like at, at times they sort of get lost on the things that were not bright spots. So they've sort of tried to stay optimistic this week. There hasn't been a lot of negative talk except for their own play calling, which has come up several times in, in Saturday. Um, you know, I, I do sort of find it interesting that they're, you know, trying to focus on the positive. They did that last year after the, the really bad loss, Kentucky's first really bad loss against um, – LSU, you know, around this time last year before the, the the free fall that they had, and you know they they came back from that game with a really strong game against Mississippi State that year. So you sort of wonder if this will be a bounce back opportunity for Kentucky, if it'll be something similar to that, if they can sort of feed off the the, the vibe at Commonwealth Stadium and just kind of the whole you know enormity of the weekend here. They all seem pretty excited about that prospect. And then the other thing that came up yesterday and in meetings with the offensive coaches and players or Tuesday on in the meetings with offensive coaches and players was there was a, you know, their regular Monday meeting Stoops spoke for 15 or 20 minutes. They made some corrections. They talked about attitudes. They talked about a, a couple other things. And then sort of in an impromptu way, he asked if anybody else had anything to say. And Patrick told said, you know, five or six different guys stood up and, and sort of, decided that they were going to, you know, not be complacent, that everybody needs to do a little bit extra, that just because you, you lose two games, you know, that you have to sort of focus on trying to do more work, get in the film room, you know, develop your strength, you know, eat better, sleep better, do whatever you need to do to become the best version of you. And, and you know, to not accept this losing the way that it, it sort of felt like last year maybe it became, you know, commonplace, that, that maybe they sort of accepted they were on a losing streak, at least that was, sort of what Tolls was implying, I think, yesterday. And then after that, I talked to, to wide receiver Jeff Bedette about the meeting, and and he said it, it was sort of nice to see guys were not accepting, you know, that, that this was going to be the end result. And he said that it was their best, one of their best practices, both offensively and defensively, which I struggle to see how it could be the best for both. But, you know, he, he said it was one of their best practices they've ever had in his time at Kentucky yesterday. So, you know, it doesn't sound like they are. They're, they're sort of taking all the positive steps, but, the, you know, the next two opponents that they play, Tennessee and Georgia, are two teams that have just whacked them, you know, both times they've played in the Stoops era, and I'll be sort of interested to see how they can kind of rebound from that. Yeah, and I, I think part of it goes back probably to last year. Like you mentioned, they, you know, they got off to the 5-1 start. They went down to LSU and got rocked by LSU, and then they ended up not winning another game the rest of the year. And finished five and seven. And at least among the fans that I talk to or hear from, I think there's, I know that, you know, there's winnable games left on the schedule. Uh, the, you know, although Vanderbilt's playing better and they're, they're pretty good defensively, uh, after they get through with this stretch against, um, Tennessee and then they go to Georgia, they go to Vanderbilt. Then they have Charlotte at home, which you think they should beat Charlotte. But it, it does seem like the loss the other night kind of, rock the fans' belief in this team that, hey, this year is different because to them, anyway, last year looked unfortunately like a lot of the past years where, uh, you know, they just seemed to get overwhelmed. Um, do you think some of the reaction, when you talk about the reaction that Stoops got from the team and so forth, that they're that they're very aware of that and they're trying not to go down that same path again? Yeah, I mean, that was really what seemed to come out of that, that message. And Stoops said that you know, the teleconference on Wednesday, he, he talked about just sort of seeing leaders emerge that, you know, everybody can claim to be a leader, but when you, you know, you're claiming to be a leader when you're winning, it's really easy. You know, it's really easy to say, I'm the guy, I'm the guy everybody's looking to, but, you know, true leaders sort of show themselves when things start to get rough. 
you know, as far as the fan base, I, I've, you know, I, I've been sort of su- surprised, maybe, I guess surprised, that that they've turned as quickly as they have. You know, there, there's a lot of people that don't like the excuse that Kentucky is a young football team. You know, they claim that that's the excuse every year. They don't like seeing, you know, kind of the same mistakes over and over again. And, you know, the, the, the argument can still be made that, that this is year three and that there's a lot of developing still to do and that they return a huge portion of the offense for next year. And there are all these things that you can sort of look at and, and see positive steps in the program. But I think it gets really difficult for fans, especially at this time of year and looking back to last year, to be, to be able to sort of put it in perspective and see any progress, no matter how incremental. And I think coaches sort of look at it as like a, a week-to-week process. Or, you know, I think Butch Jones, the Tennessee coach, has his own similar struggles trying to rebuild a program. You know, he was talking about sometimes you have to just focus on whether or not you've won the day. You know, like, are, did you get better in practice that day? And you can't really look at, you know, the, the week or the month or the year or the, you know, the, the, to- the, the schedule in its totality. So, you know, I, I think it's sort of fascinating to see the fan base, you know, ebb and flow with the success and, and, and maybe try to figure out how to, you know, how to be a better fan base as well. What about, you know, everybody talks about the offense and the way, you know, tolls and that sort of thing. Let's talk about the defense. I mean, that was the first game the other night for the entire game where they didn't have Melvin Lewis. They didn't have Jason Hatcher, who had the, uh, Chris Lewis broke his leg in the Auburn game. Uh, they didn't have Jason Hatcher, who uh, apparently had an uh, ankle injury late in the week. They thought he was going to be able to go and he couldn't play. Uh, but, you know, they gave up almost 600 yards, the most they'd given up since Stoops' first year. It just, it just seems like there's been, a, in the, especially the past couple of weeks, a regression in the defense. Uh, and a lot of people are pointing to that, you know, uh, they they don't seem to be getting lined up. Uh, tempo teams give them trouble. Um, what, what do you think the problem is with the defense right now? I think that they're they're desperately missing Melvin Lewis. I think a lot of people sort of underestimated the the import, not just physically on the field, but you know he was a guy who got in faces. He was a guy that worked his butt off. He was a guy that sort of kept everything together. And you know I think a lot of that is sort of falling on Josh Forrest. And you know the hope was that it would fall on AJ Stamps, who seems to be having his own kind of personal struggles on the field um, this season, especially. And, and and I think that you're sort of seeing the Kentucky defense that all of us expected to see in the first few games. We just had no idea what we were, what, what we were going to see from them or what they were going to be able to do. And, and I think that they sort of pleasantly surprised people in the first couple of games. And now we're starting to see the growing pains that come from a defense that lost two of its top players and top leaders last year. And, you know, they're kind of going through that transition again. You know, I, I, I do think that there's some schematic stuff that they've got to figure out though. I mean, I, I think in this rush to, you know, to be a multiple defense, they've sort of gotten lost in, in transition sometimes. You, you, you know, there was the, the big was the video that came out that was online where Kentucky basically had two guys in the box against Dak Prescott and then he ran for a 20-yard touchdown. And, you know, I, I think that nationally you don't want to become the team that's sort of known for its, you know, its mishaps as much as you'd like to become the team that's known for surprising some people. So I, I think that there's some – you know, some stuff that needs to be communicated. Stu's talked a lot about forceful communication with offensive coordinator Shane Dawson, but it looks like there needs to be some similarly forceful communication about, you know, getting players in the proper place and in proper position and making good decisions, you know, on the defensive side too. 
No, yeah, I think you're exactly right. You bring up a really good point about the multiple defense. Uh, yeah, it seems like maybe they're trying to do a little too much with so many packages and so forth. Uh, just got a couple of minutes left. What about what, what do you think is the biggest challenge that Tennessee uh, presents to Kentucky on Saturday? The one that we've been talking about, it feels like since the beginning of time or the beginning of my time as Kentucky, <laughs> you know, be right in the last couple of years, which is, you know, teams that put you in the teams that put you in, in the, the pass run conflict especially teams with a super mobile quarterback the way that Tennessee has and Josh Dobbs. I think when you have those two situations, it has been disastrous for the Kentucky defense. And frankly, quarterbacks who haven't even been known for being exceptionally mobile, like the Louisiana Lafayette quarterback or the, you know, the Eastern Kentucky quarterback, guys who, who maybe haven't made a name as mobile quarterbacks have been able to get some significant yards against Kentucky. And you know, Kentucky is getting zero pressure up front right now. They seem to be sort of floundering to find people who can – put some pressure on the quarterback and force him into making bad decisions or force him out of the pocket. You know, so it's just, you know, I, I think that the play action is going to be an issue. I don't think that Tennessee's offense is significantly better than Mississippi State. I think that they had a lot of bigger threats, you know, especially the wide receiver spot. But Kentucky's going to have to figure out how to stop the run. They're going to have to figure out how to stop Josh Dobbs and force him into making some bad throws and bad decisions. Yeah, I think yeah, I think um, Tennessee has better running backs with uh, Hurd and, and Alvin Kamara, which will put pressure on Kentucky and uh, you know and makes Dobbs that much more dangerous. But yeah, I think uh, I don't think Dobbs is as good as Prescott, but I think Tennessee's running backs are better. So and and this is a this is an important game. There's no doubt about it. Well, I think it's an important game from that perspective, and then to sort of moving forward, this is the time of the year where fans you know, sort of start to think about basketball. And, they, you know, I think they almost lost focus of basketball while Kentucky was playing really well. I think the blue-white game sort of snuck up on some people this week. I know it did me. And, you know, I I think that fans need a reason to stay. I think fans need a reason to keep going back to Commonwealth Stadium when the weather gets colder and, you know, basketball's going. And and I think this is Kentucky's, you know, football's chance to kind of do that, to, to give them a reason to stay. Right. Well, it should be it should be an interesting game. Halloween night, Commonwealth Stadium, uh, Kentucky and Tennessee, seven thirty. It's on the SEC Network again. Uh, Jim will be there. I, I hope to be there late in the game after coming over uh, to see the second half or at least the end fourth quarter after the Breeders' Cup. Be sure and follow Jen at, at Jen Harold Leader on Twitter leading up to the game and during the game. Thanks again as always, Jen, and have a good time Saturday night and have a good time Halloween. Sure, have a great time with the Breeders' Cup. I hope your kids have a big time. Thanks again, Jen. It's John Clay from the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. And on the podcast is my good friend, Mike Strange, uh, sports columnist for the Knoxville News Sentinel. Mike is a Kentuckian, actually. He's from Frankfurt. He graduated from uh, UK and from Georgetown College. And Mike has been in Knoxville for 32 years. Is that right, Mike? That is correct, John. (laughs) It doesn't seem that long. Well, it, it's uh, I've done about at this point I've done about half my life in Kentucky and half my life in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Well, I won't ask you what you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> I love. Them I know both. you like both. Love them yeah, both. There you go. There you go. Okay. Well, let's talk about Tennessee. Tennessee comes into uh, Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday night for a 7:30 game on the uh, SEC Network. Uh, what you know, Tennessee's had you know uh, so many close games, so many games that have come down to the fourth quarter, you know, uh, and they had another one uh, Saturday against Alabama. 
But, um, you know, they played Alabama. You could make a case, I guess, that they uh, played at least even if not outplayed Alabama for much of the game. What's the mood? What's the mood of the Vols, you think, right now coming into this game? Well, the mood of the Vols is that the the uh, the brutal part of the schedule is over. They've you know they've lost to Oklahoma, Florida, Alabama, and Arkansas, and all but Arkansas are ranked in the top fifteen of the poll, top twenty-five. So the mood is okay. That's over with now. Starting with Kentucky, they're looking at five games that they think they can win. So they're optimistic. They're optimistic, yes. Uh, and I think if fans particularly, and I'm speaking primarily for fans, of course the football team and the coaches are taking it very seriously, but the fans kind of like, oh, yeah, now now's time to go, you know, five and run these five games. But uh, I looked it up. Tennessee has not won five games in a row since 2007. Uh, when they were SEC East champions that year. So I, I'm a little uh, leery of anybody that's just assuming they're going to go run the table now. Right, right. What about, you know, I was looking today, uh, you know, doing notes column in the middle of the week, and I was trying to compile some notes, and I looked, and I noticed that Jeff Sagarin computer ratings, he's got Tennessee ranked number 22. And, right. you know, they has them like by far the best, you know, four-loss team in the country, they really. When you talk about a brutal part of the schedule, they really have played a tough schedule. Yeah, their their schedule. Uh, uh, I think he had their strength of schedule number two in the country, and I saw some other computer calculation where their schedule was number one in the country. So, yeah, they they have. Uh, they're really three blinks from being, you know, six and one, uh, and they certainly could have beaten Arkansas, but but Ar- Arkansas. Physically was a bad match for them, and and even though Tennessee blew a 14-point lead in that game, uh, Arkansas really I thought dominated physically. But the other three games against Oklahoma, Florida, and Alabama, Tennessee's got a lead, uh, and really just in the late in the fourth quarter, Tennessee's got a lead and just has to get one stop, and couldn't do it in any of those three games. What what I mean is there a is there a prevailing wisdom as to why they're not able to hold on to those leads you mentioned defense I mean I know he's got a young team does uh, does that figure into it It is a young team uh, that that's legitimate they play uh, a lot of sophomores play on this team they're the, the sophomores are the biggest group now uh, it's not a great defense it's a pretty good defense. I mean, if you, if you hold Alabama to two touchdowns and they held Oklahoma to two touchdowns, uh, you know, you're a pretty good defense. That's, that's good. But, but they, they do give up yards. They, they give up. They can, you know, you can get them on third and long. Uh, quarterbacks have had success scrambling to, scrambling out of the pocket to extend the play. Uh, Tennessee will have pressure chasing the guy, but just can't get him on the ground, and then he completes a pass for a for a big first down. So that that's that's been a problem is that they they haven't had a great pass rush this year. Although in Alabama, for whatever reason, they did have a good pass rush. They got five sacks in Alabama, and it was like, well, where you know where's this been all year? Uh, part part of the explanation for the defense is that they lost a very good player, arguably their best defensive player. They lost in uh, the first half of Oklahoma, which was the second game of the year, and that's Kurt Majette, 
who was a defensive end, uh, defensive end outside linebacker kind of guy, and he was just a terrific big play pass rusher, difference maker guy, and and not having him has just affected their it's affected their pass rush and and that in turn has affected their secondary. So uh, I know everybody has big injuries and uh, certainly Kentucky has too, but losing Kurt Majet was just a real blow. Let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. We're talking with Mike Strange of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Kentucky fans are scared to death of Josh Dobbs after what after last year's game, and also after what Dak Prescott uh, did to Kentucky um, last week, last Saturday. I mean, he threw the ball really well, but he also ran for over 100 yards. How is Dobbs playing right now, and and what sort of weapon has he been for Tennessee? Well, he he is an absolutely terrific running quarterback. He. Kentucky fans would be accurate to be scared of him as a running threat. Uh, he is really good at that. He's not so great a passer, especially a downfield passer. He, he He's not a bad passer, but he's just not accurate on all of his throws, and uh, they have really uh, kind of struggled at times in the passing game. Uh, they went into the season with what they thought was a really good receiving core, but again, they've had some injuries. Uh, a guy named Pig Howard, who was their leading receiver the last two years, uh, really was no factor and got uh, got kicked off the team. So, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, the passing game has not been up to what you would see in a guy like Dak, Dak Prescott. But the as uh, a running threat, Joshua Dobbs really makes that's what makes their offense go. What about the running backs, Howard Hurd and uh, Alvin Kamara? How are they doing? Uh, Jalen Hurd is, uh, he is a load. He is 6'4", 240, just as big as any running back you'll see. And, and, and you know, at 6'4", you don't see many running backs that tall, but he is, he's averaging close to 100 yards a game and, and they're tough yards. He's not going to be on the uh, Olympic 4x1 relay team as a sprinter, but he's fast enough and, and he is a really good running back that uh, you don't want to tackle. Uh, Alvin Kamara, the uh, transfer from Alabama by way of the JUCO, has been a really good addition. He he doesn't get a lot of carries at tailback just because of uh, Hurd, but they they use him, they bring him in, and uh, for the jet sweep, they throw passes to him and try to get the ball in his hands. And he's also uh, sometimes the punt returner uh, and and does well there too. Now, what about you mentioned defensively and losing Majid, which was a big blow. But what, what have they been good at doing? And, and what's been the characteristic of this Tennessee defense? Do they take a lot of chances? Do they play a pretty conservative? Uh, what, what kind of scheme, what kind of makeup do they have? Well, what uh, what worked for them against Oklahoma and, uh, and Alabama was they dropped the safeties way back deep and just don't give up the long ball, make, make you throw in front of them. And, and that's I think that's their best plan. Uh, they started the season, opened the season against Bowling Green, which turns out to have, you know, one of the best quarterbacks and one of the best offenses in the nation. And Bowling Green hit some really big plays on them. And after that, they said, okay, we're just going to drop the safeties back, keep everything in front. And, and that's worked best for them. They, they have a really good linebacker, Jalen Reeves Maben, who is a tackling machine. He's the son of Marcus Maben, the former Louisville basketball player. And he is, he's, in, for my money's worth, he is the best player on the football team. He's, he's just everywhere. Really? Really? 
What about uh, what? How did the fans feel about Butch Jones now? I mean, this is this is third year, right? Uh, this is his what? third year. Uh, you know, there there was a lot of uh, a lot of hype going into the season because of the way they finished strong last November. They just absolutely dominated Iowa in the uh, uh, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. And then there's a lot of hype that, well, the SEC East is open this year. Tennessee can contend. So, in my opinion, expectations got a little too high because this Mm -hmm. is still a really young team. I think that 2016 next year is the year everybody should have been pointing toward. I I think they'll be really good next year. So, but anyway, to answer your question, uh, because of the hype and the expectations being so high, uh, when, when you lose a 14-point lead against Oklahoma, you lose a 14-point lead against Florida, lose to Florida for the 11th year in a row, uh, they're, the, the honeymoon's over by that point. <laughs> uh, he, he, they did come back and beat Georgia. I think they were behind something like 24-3 to against Georgia, came back and won that game. So that, you know, that kind of that kept the wolves from howling for a while. And I think most Tennessee fans were – were satisfied, proud of the way they played against Alabama toe to toe. So uh, it, it's not as the the criticism is not as bad as it was a couple of weeks ago before they beat Georgia. Right, and and, and if they can close out with a five game winning streak, <laughs> that that would yeah that 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 uh, as you know that would uh, go a long way towards Butch's uh, right. popularity. Now, Mike, I can't let you go without asking you a basketball question. What about Rick Barnes? How's he been so far? And it, it, what's his first tennis? Real quick, what's his first Tennessee basketball team going to look like? Well, it's going to look a lot like last year's team, really. To be honest with you, except Josh Richardson, who was an All SEC player last year, won't be there. So, uh, Rick's been great. I think he he gave them instant credibility and stability, which they needed. Uh, given what they've been through the last few years. Uh, the only question is, you know, how much gas does he have in his tank at age 61? But he has been, uh, he's been great, uh, with the media. He's been great with the players. Uh, he, he's a gym rat. He, he's in the gym. He's not in the office. He's in the gym working with the guys, shooting with the guys. So they're, they're not going to be that good. They're going to be, uh, Strictly perimeter perimeter oriented. Nobody, no Jarnell Stokes to throw it into down there. So they're they're going to be scrapping to uh, get to 500 this year probably. But uh, but he's I think he's uh, he was a good hire. I know he and Cal Perry are buddies. Cal they keeps trying yeah. So that be that'll be fun to see them hooking up uh, in the same conference. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Mike, how, how, uh, before I let you go, how can people uh, read your work and read your guys? The new Sentinel has a great staff. Read your guys' work uh, leading up to the game on Saturday. And yeah, after well, the- yeah, our website is govallsextra.com. It's govalls and then X, T-R-A, X. No, I guess there's an E missing there in the extra. So govallsextra.com. Well, great, great. And I advise people to do that, uh, to read Mike and uh, John Adams and all the guys there. They do a great job. Well, listen, Mike, I assume you're coming to Lexington. I will be there. Well, that's I great. Won't be sta- I won't be staying in Lexington. Couldn't get a hotel room. Oh, really? Well, yeah. you know, there is a little horse race thing going on here. Yeah, the uh, the Tennessee football team is staying in Cincinnati, actually. Is that right? I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. they uh, they uh, they normally stay at the Griffin Gate Marriott, and uh, that was not available to them this time. 
Well, see, there's also a, uh, a horse event going on, going on at the Kentucky Horse Park. The National Horse Show is going on out there at the same time. You know, great planning here. Yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be an unbelievable weekend. Seriously, it's going to be an unbelievable weekend, an unbelievable day. And I'll be over at the Breeders' Cup on Saturday, but I'm, uh, I hope to get over to the football game at least to see uh, part of the second half. So hopefully I'll get to see you then. Mike, well, I appreciate you being on the I'll, podcast. I'll, I'll be in the press box pulling for American Pharaoh. <laughs> well, good. I'll tell Baffert that you're behind him. He'll appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure he will. Well, okay. Listen, Mike, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for being on the podcast and look okay, forward sir. to seeing you Saturday. Bye-bye. Okay, I want to thank my guests, uh, Jennifer Smith of Lexington Herald-Leader and Mike Strange of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Uh, remember the game Saturday night, 7.30, Kentucky and Tennessee at Commonwealth Stadium. Be sure and follow all the coverage online on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Lexington Herald-Leader leading up to the game on Saturday. And then in our Sunday paper, uh, of our Sunday edition of the Lexington Herald-Leader. Again, this is John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.